he prepared the world for us and then he gave it to us. All but one thing. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the one thing that could bring death and separate us from God. And we all know what happened. Like this big shiny red button that I know you all just want to press right now. We had to see what that tree was all about. We couldn't help ourselves. So, I want to ask us this very important question. Are we seeking knowledge or knowing? Adam and Eve experienced the knowing of God. They walked with Him. They had relationship with Him. But that wasn't enough. We allowed the enemy to convince us that God was keeping something good for, from us. God had to remove us from his presence, but his plan didn't change. We were made for relationship. God is always seeking relationship with us. How do I know this? Look at all he did to ensure we have relationship with him. We're walking with him in the garden, and we sin. Sin enters the world, so he removed us from his presence and put up the veil. Not to separate us, not because he didn't want relationship, but to protect us. Because we couldn't stand before a holy God with sin upon our lives. Then he creates the law to point us to the need for a Savior. Makes the Virgin Mary with child to provide us with the Savior. Jesus walks the earth for around 33 years in the latter years of his life telling everyone about the kingdom and God and then Jesus dies so that we can be free from sin. He's not done yet. Then he rises from the dead three days later, walks the earth telling people about God and the kingdom for 40 more days, and then finally he sits at the right hand of God. Then the Father sends the Holy Spirit to us to replace the purpose of the law, to guide us into all truth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to point us to the Savior. And why did he do all of this? To restore relationship with us. To give us the free gift of salvation and the opportunity to be in relationship with the Father again. His desire was never to put up a veil. He wanted to walk with us in the garden. I think God's made it pretty clear through his actions that he wants relationship with us. He made a way for that to happen. He left us with guidance and direction on how to get there. So, how do we grow in relationship with him? One way that he left for us is his word. Friends, the word of God is our primary authority. It's our plumb line that ensures that our foundation is unshakable. And it's a window into knowing God. You want to know God? Know his word. It's all about him. Open up any page and gain something of our awesome God. His word reveals things about him. Let's talk about Paul for a minute. Paul used to be Saul, and Saul was very educated. He knew the word of God inside and out. But prior to his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, He was persecuting Christians, putting them in prison, or pursuing their execution. What was missing here? I mean, this is Paul we're talking about. The guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament. Paul knew God's word. 
You can read someone's resume, a Facebook profile, or an autobiography and learn about them. It'll reveal some things, but getting to know someone's heart comes through relationship. It comes through spending time with them. Paul, the apostle formerly known as Saul, knew God's word, but he didn't know God's heart. He watched Stephen being stoned to death and continued to ravage the church. In Acts 8, 1 through 3, it says, Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. Speaking of Stephen. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were scattered, all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamination over him. But Paul began ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women, and he would put them in prison. Paul thought he was doing the right thing. He was just missing the relationship piece. He didn't know God's heart. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not calling the Bible a resume or a Facebook profile, but I hope you take my point. Church, we can read God's word out of obligation or out of faith that he's speaking to us. We can read the word for the pursuit of scriptural knowledge or out of the desire of knowing. It's important that we know God's word, but it doesn't stop there. Relationship with God includes spending time with him, conversation with him, prayer, getting to know his heart. So let me make this point clear. When we're spending time in his word, our expectation and our motivation matter. If we don't expect God to speak to us through his word, we'll likely miss it when he does. We know he's always speaking to us. And if our motivation in the reading of the word is to check off some sort of obligatory box, that will be the end result. You'll end up with a box with a check in it. It's important to know God's word, but it's also important to know his heart. When Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, he grew in relationship with him. That's when he came to know God's heart, and it changed everything. The guy that was out there persecuting Christians and having people stoned and thrown in prison went on to be a powerhouse for God, a kingdom changer. Again, I'm not saying that the, know, that the knowing of the word is, of God is not important. Of course it is. But without relationship, it can turn into religion. And religion leans on the law and not relationship. And the law leads to death. Jesus set us free from the law. Paul did eventually come to understand the importance of relationship with God. In Philippians 3, 7-9, through 9, Paul says, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him. Sounds like a different guy, doesn't it? So how did that relationship start? Well, God had to send a flash of light from heaven, knock him into the dirt, and strike him blind to get his attention. 
How often do we need a kick in the pants from God for for Him to get our attention, right? Far too often for me. (laughs) Sometimes we need it, though. How often do we grow without being challenged, stretched, or experiencing a little pain? God wants our attention. And sometimes He'll knock us off our pedestal (laughs) if that's what it takes to get it. But at the end of the day, His desire as Paul spoke in Philippians, is that we be found in Him. That we know Him. We have to come to the same revelation that Paul did here. We need to see the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ our Lord. We were made for relationship, friends, and He didn't do all that He did, all of the things that I listed earlier, for a -a once-a-week Saturday night relationship with Him. He wants us to know him, to know his heart, to walk with him, and to have dominion over his creation. His plans never changed. Like we so often do, we just thought that we knew better than God, or at least allowed ourselves to be convinced of that. God made us for relationship. We need to be at least as half as intentional with our relationship with God as he is with his relationship with us. He is constantly seeking relationship with us. We need to walk with God daily. If we spend a few hours a week or a month with Him, it's going to take a really long time to get to know Him, to get to know His heart, to really know Him. So I'm going to ask, church, what have we refused to overcome or allowed to be put in the way to prevent a greater depth of relationship and intimacy with God? I'm not looking for an answer here, but I do think we should take inventory every now and again. God has clearly demonstrated his desire for relationship with us. He made a way. He made us right in his sight through Jesus so the veil could be torn and we could once again be in relationship with him. And friends, we shouldn't take that for granted. God made us to be relational and not just with him, but with each other as well. And the same holds true for our relationships. We need to be intentional about them. We need to know each other's hearts. We need to spend time with each other. And we need to find joy in each other's presence. In Matthew 22, 37 through 38, it says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let's not get the order backwards here. The order matters. Love God with everything that's within us and be the kind of loving friend that God wants us to be. God said that these two things were the most important. So how can we love someone if we don't know them? We've got to be seeking relationship, friends. The Word shows us what that can look like. In Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. This is talking about the the church in, in Acts. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind 
in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. People were being saved. I see relationship growing here. I see others being invited in. Them seeing the love between the believers and coming to know a loving God. People seeing Christ through the ways that they loved one another and being saved through those loving relationships. In Acts 4, 32-35, it says, And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. But all things were common common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as they had need. That's relationship, friends. That's taking care of each other. That's loving on each other. That's awesome. Now, I'm not proposing that we all go sell our houses and start some sort of commune. But you can see the relationship here. The believers were of one mind and of one heart. They cared for each other. The church in Acts was very relational. So why don't all churches look like this? What have we allowed to hinder relationship with each other? I can think of a few things. A big one being time. We're all busy, but we can't be too busy for relationship with God or others. Like our money, we have to tell our time where to go. Because if we don't, where does it go? Away. It just goes away. We've got to be intentional with our time, especially in today's world, because there are so many things that are biting for our time, that are pulling for our time. So we have to be intentionable, intentionable. That's a word about prioritizing relationship. And I think it's really cool that godly order shows how important relationship is to him. God, relationship. Marriage, relationship. Family and friends, relationship. Ministry, pouring into people and bringing the lost into relationship. Work. That's at the bottom of the list. But still, relationship with your coworkers. It's all about relationship. It's important to God. Relationship is important. We were made for relationship. How about money? We let money get in the way sometimes, right? But you know what? Relationship doesn't cost money. It just takes time. Let's not fall into this trap, friends. I don't have money to go and do anything with anyone. You know, going out for a nice meal, catching a movie, going to a concert, it's all great stuff. But it's not required for relationship. Meeting at the park, a meal at home, meeting for a cup of coffee, just hanging out. Don't need money for that. In the leadership training manual that we teach from, We have a quote in the section under priorities. And the quote is this. Give me your checkbook, 
and your calendar, and I'll tell you what is really important to you. And it's true. So friends, let's not say that we value relationships, but then refuse to set aside either of these things to nurture those relationships. Assumption. This is a big one, too. Ah, they're too busy. They don't have time for me. Ah, they don't want a relationship with me. Let's not assume, friends. You know what they say about assumption. And if you don't, come see me later. How about, I'm just not a people person. I am an introvert. This doesn't mean that I'm not a people person. If there was an invisible fence that separated the line between introvert and extrovert, I can see it. I can't quite touch it. And I can see all the extroverts on the other side. Wave at them. Every now and again, I even get brave and I might go hop the fence, but man, that takes it out of me. So extroverts, tune in for a minute. I can see you from the fence. I can see the fence. I can see you. But I have some introvert buddies over here that don't even know there's a fence. They can't see it at all. But that doesn't mean that they don't need relationship. So please, be patient with us. We may not have much to say. In fact, we'll likely let you do most of the talking. But we value relationship. And for my introvert friends that are further away from the fence, I can't help myself. You can do it! <laughs> you can have relationship. You need it. It's important. So you got to overcome that thing that I don't even know how to describe, but I have. You are people persons. <laughs> Although you may have to take relationship in slightly smaller doses than most. And for my extrovert friends, you don't need any help. You make friends with everybody. How about, I don't have much to offer. My house is too small for guests. I can't provide a nice meal. I don't bring anything to the table. Those are all lies from the enemy, friends. I can't speak for everyone, but I'll tell you, I personally don't care how big your house is. And that meal that you don't think is good enough was probably a staple in my house growing up. You want to have me over for some hot dogs and mac and cheese? Well, ketchup, I don't like ketchup, but if, that, if it works for you. Some SOS. If you don't know what that is, I'll tell you later as well. I'm down. When do we eat? So don't think that you don't bring anything to the table or you're not enough, because that's just a lie. And I think this might even be the biggest one, friends. Not reaching out. Relationship Boulevard is a two-way street. But we can't focus too much on the oncoming traffic. Or we'll be a wreck. We can't sit around waiting for someone to pursue us. I mean, you can, but it might not work out so well for you. Be the seeker. While we're at home, sitting around, saying... Wow. Nobody loves me. Nobody's called me to do anything. This stinks. I guarantee you, somewhere on the other side of town is another person doing the exact same thing. 
Reach out, folks. Be the seeker. Let's not focus on who is or isn't calling us. If we're all reaching out, that scenario looks totally different. So let's not lack in relationship, friends. Let's reach out. So once we have relationship, how do we ensure continued relationship? As we all know, even with our best efforts, we don't always see eye to eye. Sometimes we make mistakes. We say things we don't mean. Or things are interpreted the wrong way. Words are very interesting things, friends. Life and death is contained in the tongue. So we always have to be very careful to speak life. But we also need to know that none of us is perfect. This is also where relationship comes in and knowing each other's hearts. So if you have a relationship with someone and you're hurt by something they say or do, just pause for a minute. God has given us a biblical example of how to deal with this But I'd also like to add a few other quick steps ahead of that, if I may. When I have been in this situation and I've been in a good emotional, you know, headspace to be intentional and do these things, I've found them to be pretty helpful. So my previous HR director at my work was a very nice lady. She was a Christian. And being in human resources, she had to deal with all sorts of things, one of them being employee conflicts. And we were dealing with one of said conflicts at one point. And after we were done, everything went well. And uh, the people that were not seeing eye to eye left. And we just started a conversation. And she told me something. She said that we don't think with our feelings. We feel with our feelings. It's like, well, that's interesting. (laughs) And then she proceeded to tell me, We filter everything that we experience from a sensory perspective through our emotions in a part of the brain called the limbic system. This is where emotions happen and are typically subconscious. And everything goes through this part of the brain first. And it's not until these sensory experiences, people think said, we see, whatever, get into the conscious mind that we can process them with the logical part of our brain. And I was like, well, that's really interesting. And so she said, now that I know this, I, I don't get upset by what people say when, that, when they have an emotional response. She knows that they're not thinking but feeling. They've not really processed what they're saying or how they're responding to a given situation. So she told me if we try to get through that initial emotional response and think about what we just experienced or are about to say or how we're about to respond, that that can go a long way in stopping a fence in its tracks. And I thought about that, and I was like, that is absolutely right. I mean, how many times does something just set you off, and then if you wait a minute and and let it process, you go, oh, that, yeah, maybe I overreacted, you know? So we need to stop for a minute and try to get past that initial emotional response. After doing that, I propose that we do a quick heart check of the other person. If we know someone and we really know their heart, like I know Brad's heart, 
I know a lot of y'all's hearts. So if Brad said something mean to me or just didn't come off right or didn't sit well with me, I'm going to wait. I'm going to give it a chance to, to ruminate. Okay. If I'm still having a problem, I'm going to go, okay. Brad said this, but I know his heart to be that. None of us are perfect. He's having a bad day. Whatever. That's the end of it. Now, if you don't know him well enough, or if after doing these things, that still doesn't sit well, we follow our biblical example. Going first to God, and then to your brother or sister. Brad touched on this briefly last week, but I'm going to read the scripture. So, Matthew 18, 15-17. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again, so that everything that you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. We all know what we feel about tax collectors. <clears throat> so church, as our friend Terry Kruger likes to say, don't make a thing a thing. Check your emotions. Do a heart check of the other person. Take it to the Lord. Talk to your brother or sister in private. Follow our Matthew 18 example. And friends, I want to ask too, let's also purpose in our hearts, if we find ourselves on the receiving end of this, if a brother or sister comes to us with something that you know, you've said or done that, that's just not sitting well with them, let's not, let's not, let's not let, get, let get beyond verse 15. Your brother or sister comes to you. Let's have grace for one another and resolve our differences in love. Be open and make sure that your heart is always to restore relationship. We have that biblical example of, of kind of how to escalate it, but let's not let it escalate. Now, I know that everything that I just went through may seem like a lot of stuff, but really this isn't like a several-week process, and it's not an exact formula or anything either. This can all happen in the course of a few minutes. You don't have to make a thing a thing. <clears throat> so, in wrapping this up, I'd, I'd like to issue a few challenges. God has made us for relationship, so I'd like us to be intentional about that. Challenge number one is let's all look at our schedules and make sure that we're spending time with God. You need to put it on the calendar, you can do that. You don't need to, that's cool too, but but we should really be spending time with him daily. So let's be intentional about that. Let's make sure that God has a proper place. And challenge number two, let's go home and pray about who God wants you to strengthen or build relationship with. Choose two people or families that he puts on your heart and set something up with them between now and the end of the year. I know it's October, I know we're getting into a very busy time of the year, but we can all do this. I believe that. You okay with that, church? Yeah. All right. So I'd like to close with this. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. 
let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let's focus on knowing our God. Let's focus on knowing each other. Let's not neglect meeting together. Let's love on and encourage one another.